Are you curious about the unknown, the unexplainable? Do you find yourself intrigued by the mysterious and paranormal side of our world? Join us on an adventure into the world of inexplicable discoveries and investigations that may someday give us a final answer as to what may be behind the veil of reality. Then it's time to turn your pods up because we're live to tape from the mountains of West Virginia. It's time once again for Let's Find Out with co-host Diego. The universe is waiting for you. <laughs> Live to tape from the mountains of West Virginia, it's another episode of Let's Find Out with co-host Diego. Thank you for taking this journey with me. On this episode of Let's Find Out, our guest has been seeking out the mysterious from a very early age, and his goal is to document the history, mythology, and tales of the peculiar creatures from around the world. You can check out all his fantastic videos on YouTube on the Fedora CRT channel where he talks all things cryptid and mysterious. We will be covering all this plus more. Please welcome to Let's Find Out a great friend of the show who has some of the most amazing stories to share. Gregory Fedora. Gregory, my friend, welcome Hello. to Let's Find Out. Man, I'm hey. super, super psyched to having you on tonight. Dude, I'm happy to be here. I, I mean, we met at uh, with a cryptid Halloween, you know, is it, great. I, your stuff's cool. I, I, I enjoyed talking to you there. And then we talked about getting together to do this. I'm glad we finally got to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, and you were going around earlier. You were filming a video, if I remember, I, I right before the doors were open, and you had the, uh, you had that puppet with you, man. It was a yeah. Was, he's right there. He's right there. Yeah, Snally. Uh, Saul the Snallygaster. He's hanging out behind me. He's chilling right now. He's watching you. And uh, so, yeah. No, he gave me some great words of encouragement for that night. It was actually it was my first real deal event that i've ever been a vendor to so it's kind of a, a great icebreaker my friend so i really appreciate oh, yeah. that oh no problem yeah i had fun with that like that's a he's been around he, this is his second iteration the first one i i did and it was one of those like a flamingo things that you have a trigger and yeah. I, I broke it and then i he had a, i had someone actually make a puppet and so now I have an actual real puppet as opposed to like one of those like little finger grabbing shark things. So, but uh, yeah, so he, he comes around, says stupid things and you know, that's, that's what he's good at. And, hey. and, I, and I can get away with saying stupid things and be like, it's the puppet, not me. And it's funny how quickly people don't pay attention that I'm the one saying it. <laughs> so. No, well, the puppet and I have a lot of common then talking yeah. Things like that, a lot of nonsense. No, I kid, of course, but um, it, it's amazingly entertaining. I really appreciate you doing that night. It kind of, like I said, a great icebreaker, and it set in a great mood for the night. I see when I run into a lot of folks, especially in the uh, with the subjects that we cover or in that mm -hmm. community, where a lot of them start at an early age with an interest in cryptids or UFO or paranormal. Yeah. Um, was this something that you? had from an early age yourself or is it something that down the road you became interested in and well, just like me you got hooked on it well when i was really old, i mean back in the day they used to have those like uh book fairs at the schools and the scholastic book fairs and uh i just remember i would get like the the books and the books i was always like you know 
drawn to were like you know because i was into star wars i was in that so like ufo stuff and then like monsters but like it was always like just a book and the book would have like bigfoot ufos loch ness and that was pretty much it it was like those were the three main ones and so i i'd heard you know i, I mean i thought bigfoot and loch ness they were always cool and ufos were always cool but that that was it and then as i got older um I started finding out about all these other monsters people were saying they're seeing. I'm like, what? I, like, I, and the thing is, I, I I grew up in Ohio, so I mean, you know, there are plenty of Ohio monsters. Yeah, you know, uh, Mothman's sort of like right on the border there, and uh, you have like, uh, I mean, he's more West Virginia's, you know, but I mean, he 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 was close to Ohio. But then you have like the Octoman, and then you have the Loveland Frogs, and then you have uh, Grassman, which is basically a Bigfoot, but. Uh, as I got older, I was like learning about these others, but there weren't at that time, uh, you know, I was in the age where the internet was just starting to sprout up. So you didn't really have Google and all these things. And you, I mean, you just had Alta Vista, but still there wasn't like, you know, a lot of stuff out there about these monsters or even books like there are. And, but I was always drawn to like the, like I wanted to see what these things look like. And then when you'd find stuff on it, it was just, paper and paper and people writing and i'm i'm very visual and I, I like to see things and so i was drawn to try and find out wh what these things were and like uh, my, my thought was like well if someone saw something like i'm always the person that's like at some point somebody saw something along the way they didn't know what it was and they described it was it really what they this or was it their imagination but it's still the stories there. They had to have encountered something. And, and I, I felt that way with like mythology and all these things. Like when people are talking about, uh, you know, like a Cyclops or this or like, or the Minotaur, they, someone dealt with something. Like, cause I don't think people would just be afraid of something that somebody never saw or had to deal with. So right. something was there, what it was, there's a, there's uh, a, a story in Scotland. It, the thing's called the Wolvian. Wolverine or Wolverine or something. I'm probably mispronouncing it, but basically it was like a wolf man. And, but unlike other stories, this guy was very kind and he would leave food for people, do these things. And he was a very different kind of dog man, wolf man creature. He was like, un, and as I studying, I was thinking about it and I, and he was kind of an outcast to society. And I thought, I go, there's those people who are born with those where they just grow hair. And I was like, what if that's what he was? You know, and the only explanation they had was he was a wolf man when in reality he probably he could have had one of those deformities where you have, you know, the hair everywhere and dog face boy. But so I'm one of these, I want to find out what it was. And I and there's a lot of different creatures out there that we're kind of forgetting about over time. And because like Bigfoot, he's got a lot of publicity. So does Loch Ness. Everybody talks about them. But like these other lesser known ones, people are kind of like for like the Snallygaster. Um, I moved from Florida to Maryland, where my wife's from. And I moved literally right next to South Mountain, which is where the Snallygaster was supposed to have lived. And I lived here for like four years before I even heard a story about it. And then I was like, what is it? And then I started reading. I was like, this is crazy. And then the, the mythology around it and the folklore around the Snallygaster to me was so cool. 
And then what was hilarious was people who had lived all their lives in Maryland and actually lived near Southbound had never even heard of it. And I was like, that is horribly sad that this is a, a great story that goes back to the 1700s. And it, it literally is a story that started before everyone always thinks of um, the Jersey Devils, the oldest known like monster story from the colonial days. I mean, if you take away Bigfoot, because obviously the Native Americans had talked about Sasquatch and all that, but like take away him, everyone's always saying it's Jersey Devil. But in reality, it was the Snallygaster by five years. There were stories about the Snallygaster that predate the Jersey Devil. And I was like, and Maryland was not embracing it. It slowly is now. Like uh, you got Sarah with uh, the Snallygaster Museum, who's really trying to promote it and she's doing an amazing job and she's everywhere now and i mean before i met her and other things i i had never heard of it and i was like that to me was sad that we're losing these different creatures because every state has their own monster and and we need to we need to cherish and we got to keep them going whether or not they ever existed or not they're part of the state's you know, identity and in the folklore of that area and you just you don't want to lose that kind of stuff no you don't you know it's funny you mentioned earlier where the scholastic book fairs right those are really yeah. big at least in my time you know 70s and 80s yeah. and i guess in the 90s this was in a library and you mentioned the book i can picture the book in my mind because that is the very same book that you were talking about i picked up that's how things got it started with me now i mean mm -hmm. when i was a young age i had a a lot of paranormal experiences, but something about that book. Do you remember what that book was? Because you, you, it had Loch Ness. It was UFOs Big and Bigfoot. Good. What yeah. was that? I don't know. I wish I still had it. I think I need if I got. I can kind of even remember the cover. There's the UFOs there, and there's Loch Ness and Bigfoot all on the cover. Yeah, <laughs> they were like, and it was kind of a bluish color. I if I recall, and but yeah, I I remember it, and I loved that book. And then you know, it's that that was like I said, it's like back in the eighties, like early eighties. And then like, it's been how many, almost 40 some years. I don't know what I did with it. I wish I still had it. Cause that thing was amazing. If I could find it. I, you know, I'm, I'm starting to think that maybe it was one of those things to where it's a once in a lifetime fine because yeah. you're one of a, about half a dozen people. And I've talked about this book before, but nobody seems to be able to find it on Google. Nobody remembers the name of it, but they can all, we can all picture the cover. Yeah. Like, is it the, like the Mandela effect? <laughs> I, I'll, I'll buy that for a dollar because, you yes. know, but hey, the, on the plus side, it got us to the journey where we're at today. At least it was, it planted that seed, right? Oh, yeah. And picking up on something you said earlier, because we all know, and we talk about a lot about Bigfoot, UFOs, and Loch Ness, and uh, other type of things. You mentioned something about the lesser known things. So yeah. these, this is of something that I found very interesting because the it's the first time I've heard of this. So in one of your very interesting videos that you talked about, about on your channel, I think you released it about a year ago, but if it really did get my attention. As I said, the wizard of South mountain, judging from what I heard and probably for the descriptions people might've given of it, was he kind of like an Alistair Crowley type of guy back then? Or were we just getting the wrong kind of hype? Who was he, this wizard? I, his real name is uh, Michael Ziddle. And I think in the video, I kept calling him Michael Zidle, but it's it's Zittle. And, and there's actually, it's really close to me. There's an, a town, like a road, it's called Zidle Town and, uh, or Zittle Town. And that's where his family lived. 
and his grave is actually probably about 30 minutes from me. Um, but I, I always try to like it, it's kind of those like the winner kind of you know gets to tell the tale. And he died destitute. And there's a lady called Madeline Dahlgrum who wrote about him a lot, and she hated him. So a lot of what we know about him comes from uh, her uh, book, South Mountain Magic. And he, he was basically, I kind of think he, he wasn't a bad guy. He, he was a healer, and he did a lot of healing. He also performed hexes, but again, we, we think hexes in the form of doing something evil, Whereas back then, like a hex could be something to protect you. They would, what those stars are called hex stars that, that you see on the farms in Dutch territory. And it was to ward off like the Snallygaster or the hex wolf or whatever. You're trying to keep evil spirits away and you would use a hex to keep them away. And he would perform these hexes on people and give them potions to cure things. Um, uh, Madeline Dahlgrim thought he was into the dark arts, which I, I, again, he's dead now. He died in 1870 something. So it's hard to say, you know, was he good or bad? I know that one thing he believed or thought or taught, you know, said that you don't do magic for money and that if you did, it would come back on you. And then that was really where his life turned for the worse is, uh, he, he by trade he was a craftsman he made shingles for houses and he was like needed money so he had this magic book and the story behind it is kind of crazy he he said that it came from the from Israel from the holy land and that he got it and it was in spanish and then he translated the spanish to german which was his native tongue and then he decided he was going to take the German version and translate it to English and sell it. And there's a couple things in that story to me are kind of interesting, just that he said it came from the Holy Land, but it was in Spanish. And I would have thought from the Holy Land, it should be like Hebrew or Aramaic or Latin, but whatever. The other thing is interesting is like he, by all accounts, he didn't have really any kind of education. So how he knew how to translate from Spanish to German, that's another question we don't know but anyway so he did translate it he sold the book and from then from, and that was in the early seven, seven, 1870s he died like i think it was within five six years of selling the book and completely penniless and so he'd sold this book but lost everything and so it went back to his thing of don't do magic for money and he did, and he lost everything. And so it's kind of a sad tale. But like, I, I, part of me wants to give him the benefit of the doubt and think that he was a good guy. Uh, but he, he, people were like, again, it depends who you, where you read or find out about him. People were afraid of him because he was like kind of a, a, a wizard. They, and literally, that's what they called him. They called him the Wizard of South Mountain. Um, and so, I mean, to this day, like, you know, you can go over like on South Mountain and there's a, a plaque about him. There's also, if you go into Boonesboro, the cemetery there, that's where he's buried. And um, you can, and I think there's only one copy that I know of, of his book. And that is in a museum in Boonesboro, Maryland, which is just on the other side of South Mountain for me. So I've not seen it yet. 
because every time I try and find out when this museum is open, it's never open when I can get over there. So I got to I got to find out exactly when they're open and head in there because I'd love to take a picture of it and see it. And I, I doubt I could touch it. But it's probably in a glass thing. But he's a very strange, interesting dude. I wish I could have met him to find out because I would like to know, was he good or bad or was he crazy or was he just a chill dude that was trying to be cool to his neighbors? You know, you know. I kind of hope that's what he was. I lean that way. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned, because I was going to ask you, you know, whatever happened to that book and the fact that that book was never in print or replicated at all. It was just that one copy. That was it. Well, I mean, that's, that's one thing. He, he supposedly, like you said, he translated it. Like, no, I, we don't know what happened to the original. Then he had the German version. Then he took the German version and he translated to English and he sold copies of it in English. We don't know where the German version went, and there's only one copy of the English version. And, and, and that time, since you know, and you would think they, and, and the thing, the crazy thing is, the only reason they found it was a lady was uh, cleaning out her grandmother's house, I believe, and found it in her house. And that's how they got the copy. I, yeah. I was for sure you're going to say somebody found it in a yard sale for 25 cents, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> and boom, you know. Yeah, exactly. I wish, man. I wish I could find a copy. I, I wish that they would take it and make copies of it. And I would love to. Supposedly, now, if you read uh, the South Mountain Magic by Madeline Dahlgren, she at some point saw a copy of it and read it. And she wrote down copies of the spells in her book. Um, and so, which to me, again, was really funny. She's very uh, religious. Very, she was uh, extremely Catholic which is nothing wrong with that, but she talks about being, that's the only reason I bring it up. She talks about being extremely, she actually built a Catholic church on South mountain. And she said she abhorred the black arts, but not enough to not make copies of some of the spells to put in her book to sell. So, <laughs> so it's like, you know, that's yeah, a risk you take. You don't want to yeah, write exactly. down things you don't know about. I think I might have to make my way up to that museum and, and check oh, it out. Yeah. Um, that book is amazing. Like I said, it's the first time I've heard of this. So I'm, I'm, I'm already hooked in the story. I was hooked on the video. I watched it twice just to make sure it's stuck in my mind. Yeah. Now, well, I mean, it's, South Mountain's crazy. Yeah. There's so many stories on that mountain, like besides him. Like, it's like, yeah. If you research South Mountain, Maryland, it's like the things that supposedly happened there. Besides, there was a Civil War battle there. Like all these, but something's up with South Mountain that all these things occurred in and around it. So... I got to look in more. Maybe there's a ley line that I just haven't figured out yet. Man, there's always a rabbit hole to jump into. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> uh, great stuff. And now so from the Wizard of South Mountain, we're going to move on to something that perhaps is better known, but it seems like maybe it's um, the subject has reappeared again. I first mm -hmm. heard about the Hat Man in the 90s, actually. It seems that people around the world have had experiences and have accounts of, of the Hat Man or whatever name they call them in their country connected to experiences with sleep paralysis. What's the history of the hat man? And from what I understand, he seems pretty damn deadly. Are we talking about a demon, some sort of spirit or what, what yeah. is exactly the hat man? See, that's interesting. I, I think it is some kind of demonic gang because no one has good experiences with it. And I've, I've talked about this before. Like when people have these experiences with certain creatures, I do lean towards evil. Um, 
or was it malevolent? I can't say the word malevolent creatures. So I, I I don't know exactly what it is. I know like some people say sleep paralysis. It's like synopsis in your brain, but then it's like some people that woken up they're injured by these things, and I'm like, and if you're just sitting there and you can't move, you can't be really injuring yourself. Like I could get it like, oh, you scratch yourself, but like people are talking about they can't move and they wake up with scratches and, or like they, when it's done, they're scratched up. And like, what is going on? Why is it doing it? The history, like like sleep paralysis goes back centuries. People talked about having it and they're like people thought witches were doing it, this and that. Um, the hat man is very unique in that. I mean, he's kind of like you don't really see a face. You see the hat. You see the the eyes occasionally uh and he's just ominous and the thing is in folklore there there are quite a few a few different creatures that i've come across that have a very similar uh look to them um down south america there's quite a few that are like and i'm I'm not gonna try and pronounce their names because i will butcher them and then they'll come haunt me or something but uh there's quite a few that uh, have they wear these hats and they're evil and they do horrible things and you want to avoid them. And I don't know. <clears throat> I feel there's some kind of connection to that as well as the sleep paralysis. What what's going on? Why? And why sir, who get who they attack and why I can't figure that out. Cause it seems it almost random, but uh, I, I there probably, it probably isn't. There probably is something going on. And I think, as I do, you know, as people look in more, you're going to see a lot of weird kind of like, like for me, the folklore and stuff, there's a lot of connections. Like I said, down in South America, I think it's the poop. It begins with a P. I, I put it, in, it's in one of my books, but it's, the dude was like freaky, horrifying. And it's basically, if you were alone, this thing would hunt you and haunt you and oftentimes kill you. And there's a lot of times with the the uh, hat man thing, a lot of the episodes people talk about uh, people who have had experiences don't live much longer soon after their initial experience. So like un- unlike other sleep paralysis, like other people, ha- you can have sleep paralysis and it goes away, comes back, whatever. But like specifically with hat man, people who have seen it or had it, either they have a really horrifying end soon or someone close to them. and it's almost like a banshee in a way, like not necessarily you are going to get be the one, but someone close to you is. Uh, but yeah, the stories I've read, it's all like I don't want to ever. I hope I never see deal with him. I you know I'd be happy not to. No, oh, you and I both. So <clears throat> I pose the question. Maybe it's an unanswerable. So what's the deal with the hat? Not the one you're wearing, not the cap I wear, but hat man. What yeah. what is the significance? Is it the shape of the head that looks like a hat, or what is it, it? It could be the shape, or he could be hiding something. Maybe it's like to like keep his like because like when you wear a hat and the shadow cast, it hides who you really are. And perhaps maybe you know who it like I said like a demonic entity may not want you to see exactly what it looks like because a lot of times they say like in those type of things like exorcisms and stuff. Uh, when you find when you know what it is, you gain a foothold against it, and like because then you can like fight against it because you know who or what it is. Whereas when it's wearing the hat, perhaps the shadow keeps you from knowing fully what or who it is. 
So, I mean, as as we say, we call it the hat man. Maybe it's like I said, maybe it's not a man at all. Like maybe as a demon and us, we get so fixated on the hat and the hat man, we're we're lost on what it is and who it is and how to prevent it, you know. No, I mean, it makes great sense to me because if you focus on one part, you're not really paying attention to what it's actually maybe trying to do or identify, like you said, because I know there's there are those that believe once you identify a spirit or a demon by name, you actually you take control of the situation somehow. Yeah. Um, but that's a good call on that. And speaking of talking about hiding, I'll say evidence. Let's talk about giants because you recently talked about this oh, yeah. on your video. And I'm a big fan of this subject. And in fact, it's something I came upon about 10 to 15 years ago. I listened to a presenter called L.A. Marzulli. You mm-hmm. also have, you know, Christian pastors like Billy Crone. You have authors like Denver Michaels. And it seems to be, depending on what side of the aisle you're on, and it's interesting because mm-hmm. I know now the Christian church, I'll say the church, I mean the Christian church, I can't speak for anybody else, is slowly but surely starting to pick up the the subject to where it can be traced back to Genesis 6, 8 and what came out of Genesis 6, 8. In your opinion, mm-hmm. and the reason I'm, before I go talk about hiding, because it seems like every time there's an archaeological, somebody comes across a set of bones that might perhaps might be from a giant or something, a lot of these things just disappear. Nobody yeah. ever sees this evidence. In your opinion, what do you think these giants are? Who were they? Were they the Nephilim? Were they a hybrid of angels and humans or another species of humans that perhaps died out somehow? Hmm. I, I, I think it would, this is like going to sound like a cop-out question, answer, but I think it could be actually, there could be different kinds and different uh, some both like i think it could be like i said uh, a race of people who were so like just killed off like in my video i talked about how like when we see something like when a group finds another group that they just you know are different from them and so in this case the video i was talking about was like the red hair giants of nevada they looked different from the rest of the people in that area and so uh, they got together and, you know, killed them because to them, they were scary. They were bigger than them. Um, they had red hair. They just didn't look like the rest of them. And so, like, when we get, when you get a group together that's afraid of something that doesn't look like them, it's like the pitchforks and kill them. Let's get rid of these things because they're not like us. So that you do also have, like, uh, like the Nephilim, like, do what were those I, I don't know but like we do have the things in the bible time about the the was it the uh, sons of god seeing the daughters of men and then they came and those were the uh the heroes of old and so they were some kind of group do we have did were those in it? like i do know that it's mentioned just i think also in exodus when the israelites came to the promised land the first time uh and the spies went in and i think 10 spies went in, eight came out and they're like, no, this, no, the Nephilim are there. So what were they, what, you know, what did they see there that mm-hmm. scared them? Like they were big giants. And then uh, I guess Joshua and I think it was Caleb or Gideon or one of the two, I can't, I can't remember who, but they were like, no, we can do it. We can fight them. And no, they didn't, they had to wait another, what, uh, 80 years or something. And, but uh, then again, in the Bible, it talks about Goliath and he was, pretty big dude uh again 
uh, described, and, and depending on your mathematics, anywhere from eight to ten feet, which isn't really like it's huge, but it's not unbelievably like. And that that's where I fall in is like I think when we say giants, it's really big people that. I think there were people eight to 10 feet tall like that people had to deal with and they were scary. But I, like I said, over time, people started telling stories and they turned into 50 foot tall guys. And I, I, I mean, maybe there was at one point, I don't know, but I don't, I haven't seen any evidence of that big of a dude, but like eight to 10 feet to me, that's still a giant. That's a big, like if I stand next to somebody six, seven feet tall, I feel like a midget. And are you allowed to say midget now? I don't know. Like I, uh, you're I, safe on this show. Okay. Say what you want to but, say, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. I feel like I, I'm I feel tiny next to like a you know seven foot tall dude, man. And I've been next to one, and I feel I'm like, gosh, man. I'm 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 five foot nine, but still seven feet. That's it seems huge. And you're like, ah, especially if they you know they're jacked. You're like, okay, this is scary. And but like in, in Goliath had three other brothers, and and they're talked about, but and they were big too, and so. Like I said, what, who were they? What were they? I, I It's hard to say. I, I think that some of them were just naturally big people. Others could have been, like, like I said, people in witchcraft giving themselves over to demonic entities and creating this hybrid, possibly. I, you know, there's a lot of things out there we don't know and understand. And a lot of people just joke around about it. I do, too. But, I mean, that they just are or don't want to deal with it and as far as like the uh evidence disappearing i think there's it's a fear thing and if like they find these giant skeletons they're like uh oh if if that story was true what else is true and if the masses find out too much truth it's harder it's harder to control and so when people you know so you kind of squash the truth so that you know people aren't like questioning like oh no 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 it's not, it's always been this way the science says this this and this and teachers say this and archaeologists say this so it's all right. but like when something goes against that it seems to always get kind of instead of being well this is interesting different we should find out more it's like oh no that's uh, somebody it's a hoax it's a hoax they always go with hoax and then stuff just disappears and that seemed to be what happened with nevada like a lot of stuff vanished so, you know, and, that, and that's true because, unfortunately, in the things that we're involved with, the research we do, there are a lot of folks out there that are just hoaxing the crap out of things, and it kind of hurts the reputation mm -hmm. of, of of honest folks that are trying to do the work. But when you have people faking Bigfoot videos, you have people faking UFO yeah. videos, it kind of they do the work for the folks who are already hiding the evidence to begin with. Yeah. By making it seem ridiculous. Yeah. Absolutely. But no, always an interesting subject with giants. You know, it's one of those things that, man, it's... I, I mean, wish... and, well, I mean, you had that thing just recently in Miami. Like, we don't know what happened there. There's still, like, people talk about big, gray-looking dudes that were tall running through the... And, you know, and then they were trying to say it was teenagers with sticks. I mean, what were that? What was that? I mean, I mean, was that alien, demonic, or what? We don't. Again, it's another thing we don't know. <laughs> like no, and, and it's funny. I talked about this on a, on a prior episode, and I've heard two sides of the of the um, of their theories or their opinions. And I borrowed some pictures from somebody on on mm -hmm. a 
you know, you really got to take a look close. But, you know, it's always funny, though. Very interesting mm-hmm. that we have all this technology available to us, right? Yeah. And we have – you can take photos from, a, from an airplane, from a helicopter. You have surveillance cameras. You have this and that. But every time there's a picture of what could be possibly something that's happening, damn it yeah. if it's not always blurry. Yeah. I don't know. Is there some sort of curse? Or is there some sort of, <laughs> I don't know is there sort of ra- radiation they, they omit that these cameras can't catch them? Yeah, I don't know. Man, it, well, I mean, I've heard theories on like Bigfoot that he's interdimensional. And so, which is why he's so elusive that he can like kind of be there, then all of a sudden gone. And perhaps if he is on a different dimension, different plane, that maybe cameras can't get a good shot of him. Uh, kind of you. Now this is gonna go into a weird direction, but like in, if you saw the movie, uh, uh, the the Sony one about Spider Man, where they were, uh, was it across the Spider Verse or into the Spider Verse? Like when all the different Spider Man came to his world, they weren't from his world, so they they would like like do this like shake thing mm-hmm. and like kind of not be in focus at, at times and. Maybe there's something to that theory or idea because they didn't just come up with that. That's a theory of like if you go interdimensionally that you're on a different plane. So if these creatures are from another dimension, could they just weed our cameras and not be able to focus? You know. No, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but it might be a possibility. They might be able to bend light somehow or create some sort of distortion in the field because if they're coming from one dimension to another, that I would assume yeah. that naturally there would be some sort of interference. Mm-hmm. Could be, yeah. I've, that's as good thing. Like, because a lot of times when you see these pictures of these creatures, um, the foreground background is in focus. They're not, and things near them are in focus. And you would think either they're just hauling butt super fast, or but it doesn't look like they are. Because even like video of them, like you'll see video and they're still not clear. So I mean. I don't know. That's what I was saying. It's almost like the curse every time somebody robs a bank. Yeah. Even the thief is kind of blurry, but you know. Yeah. It happens. Whatever. <laughs> I'm trying to make light of the subject, but you know, something that popped up earlier in our conversation, because we're talking about all these um, stories, mm-hmm. cryptids and creatures. Let's talk about your books. All right. Yeah. And not only do you write the books, but you, you also do the artwork, correct? Yeah, yeah, I did all that. Like, I mean, that goes back to the Scholastic book. Like, after that, because that had pictures in it. And uh, as I got older, and I would be trying to find these books on different monsters and creatures, there would be a lot of words, which is fine. And, and I enjoy reading them. But at the same time, I like to see what people said they were. So as I, I'm putting together right now, I have four books out. Uh, uh, for them, it's the Happy Little Monsters. It's the series, and it's volume one, two, three, and number four just came out at the beginning of this year. And I also have uh, a book. It's called uh, Oh, it's, uh, this is the only one I have here because I don't have any. It's the uh, the Christmas book, but it's like the creatures are stirring a Christmas creepy collection. It's past Christmas, but you know maybe you want to get it next year. But uh, and that's just all the Christmas monsters and ghost stories. Uh, but like it's basically uh. A collection of different monsters and i i draw i when well, i didn't draw i use photoshop to create them i go with what people said they look like and i create the way like the most 
most people said they look like because you know obviously when you had different people kind of describe it differently but i took like okay 10 people described it this way three people this way i went with the 10 and so i recreated the monster and in the books i show how big it is compared to me then what where they're supposed to be located then each one just has a, a short synopsis only about a paragraph about each one and the idea was I didn't want it to be like the be all end all. I wanted it kind of kind of wet your appetite where you'd read this and be like, that's really it. I want to find out more about that. So then then you could go start researching yourself and find out more about these different monsters. And I went with Happy Little Monsters because of Bob Ross and his Happy Little Trees. And so I just like I'm in my mind, every forest had happy trees. So every forest has a happy monster. And so. I kind of like that's where I got the name. And then I just sort of I'm working on actually right now volumes five, six and seven. Right now I have about enough to do 10 volumes and it will probably keep going. But originally I was going to do them all together as one book. But my wife was like, that will be a huge book and it would be super expensive and nobody could get it. And then I, in my mind, I was thinking, OK, uh, 10, 11, 12 year old me would love this book and want it and what is the best way to do that so i turned it into volumes and i was like i'm gonna train i have them as paperback or hardcover through amazon you can find them all on amazon and i tried to keep the paperback at about 15 bucks and the hardback at 20 because i was thinking any a kid between 10 to 12 could get 15 bucks to you know hey mom dad can we get this book for 15 bucks or even if you're above that uh you know my age you want a book for 15 bucks that's you know that's hard to find so i was like i i try to keep it at where people could get it and get their hands on it because i'm also one of these i like to have stuff that i can flip through and look at as opposed to just going online and seeing it i want to have it in my hand so but yeah that's that's really how i started getting the book i'm actually working on another book right now that i'm hoping to have done by april and i, and I can kind of tell you about it I've kind of avoided Bigfoot for a long time because I've always said that he has the best publicity team and he's everywhere. But then uh, a while back, I was watching a, a documentary on Jane Goodall and the uh, the gorillas over in uh, Africa and how she and, and I was watching it and I mean, it was kind of a boring documentary just because it was just kept going but she talked about them in a way that humanized the gorillas and i in my mind it went to this whole other direction and i was like what if like i went to the pacific northwest and not only did i find bigfoot but i found a, a group of bigfoot sasquatches all hanging out and i slowly befriended them and they let me live amongst them and then not only that, they made me their leader. And so I started writing this book from that perspective. And I, so it's still in the process and I'm doing the artwork for it. And it's it, it's it's to be humorous, but it's like I've had I'm having a few people read it and that are big into Bigfoot. And so far they like it, even though they know it's not, you know, not real at all. But I take what people have said about Bigfoot and people who research him, what they say these things do to interact. And I kind of took it that added that, but it's just, 
I'm still working on it. Hopefully it'll be done. But right now it's being called Sasquatch and Me. And that is, that's what I'm working on right now. And we'll see. I'm hoping to have it done by April. I don't know if I will, but. I was going to ask you about the title. I didn't want to put the cat out of the bag, but. Yeah, that you was know, it. Sasquatch and Me. <laughs> You're the first person I've told about this. I got the exclusive. Like on, I love yeah, it. On the podcast. Like I've talked to other people about it, but I've not talked about it saying that i am trying to get it done so excellent i'm thrilled that you did it on my show now yeah. for the listeners of let's find out yes who want to know more about your youtube channel and of course you mentioned it earlier where can they get the books where can they watch your videos okay uh, well they can go to well for the books you can go on amazon and uh it's you know amazon.com and if you just type in the fedora files it brings up all the books that i've done uh, for my channel, it's uh, YouTube.com, and it's at, let me see, at, at the Fedora Files. If you go to YouTube.com, do at the Fedora Files, or if you go just type in FedoraCRT.com, uh, that will take you straight to, you can see the podcast there, and also you can get links to the YouTube channel and to my Instagram which is also let me tell you my Instagram because I always forget I always say the wrong thing, so I'm gonna say it right for you. Uh, Thanks. It's G underscore Fedora underscore Crypto, and if you go to that from there, you can get to all of my uh, uh, things as well. You can see get to my YouTube channel, and there's also a Facebook page, but I don't remember the name. I, I think it's either Fedora CRT or the Fedora files. But if you type in the Fedora files on Google, it'll bring up all these different things that are mine. So, and that, and that's my podcast, the Fedora files. And I, I try and put it out once a week. Sometimes it's uh, just three times a month. It just depends on what's going on in my life, you know, but I try and keep it consistently on Wednesdays is when it comes out. So, and yeah, so I mean that's where they they want to check me out and look up stuff and check out the books. I'd love to hear what people think about them and and I'll be at. I'm trying to get to more events. I've been to a few, but like just my schedule's crazy. But hopefully, I'm gonna this year. I'm gonna try and hit a few more. I hit how many? Did I did two last year, which is sad. This year, I'm gonna try and do four. So I'm gonna eat. You know, I don't want to overstate. Like if I can get more than four, I'll do it. But I, I, I'm I'm aiming for doing four events this year and then just slowly building up every year, adding more if I can. Same thing yeah. with me. And my friend, that's where I met you last year. And yeah. I look forward to seeing you again this year. I'm going to add some more shows for me as well, and, uh, you know, vendors, of course. And I look yeah. forward uh, to your new book. And I really appreciate you taking the time to come on to Let's Find Out. You're a very busy man. You're writing books. You're putting a podcast. You're doing the videos. I really appreciate you coming on, my friend. Oh, well, thank you for having me. I, I enjoy it. And I, hopefully uh, you'll come on my show or I can come back on yours. And maybe when I get this other book done, I'll, I'll like we can talk about it. I'll send it to you and you can read it and tell me what you think. Absolutely, my friend. This has been another excellent episode of Let's Find Out with co-host Diego. Please check us out on Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, on all our social media pages, as well as our YouTube. And we're also on Rumble like share and subscribe thank you for taking this journey with me until next time my friends 
who said apes have no tails, is a collection of previously untold anecdotes from the filming of the original Planet of the Apes and three of its four sequels, as witnessed firsthand by Erlen Botello Caballal. She not only had roles in the films, but Erlen was also one of John Chambers' earliest models used in the creation of the groundbreaking, and subsequently Oscar-winning, Ape Prosthetics. For more information, please visit zombiemediapublishing.com. Who Said Apes Have No Tales? Available now. Copyright co-host Diego, all content for Let's Find Out, is the property of co-host Diego, and is served directly from our servers with no modification, redirects, or re-hosting. All celebrity impersonators are paid performers. The impersonated celebrities do not endorse or promote any views or opinions expressed by our guests, co-host Diego, or Let's Find Out. The information shared on Let's Find Out is provided on an as-is basis with no guarantees of completeness, accuracy, usefulness, or timeliness.